good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, uh, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Orange, California, and I'm talking to Stephen and Seth. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Hey, hey. I'm Seth Rodney. I'm an editor at Hyperallergic and a faculty member at the Parsons School of Design, and I'm speaking to you from the South Bronx. Hi, everybody. I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm one of the co-founders of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm also a freelance writer and free-floating spirit. Mm. <laughs> uh, adrift in a material world. So this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of intellectual intimacy on the podcast, which is giving each other the space to figure things out together out loud. Uh, and we are continuing with our format that we announced last week for the new year, which is we're sticking with subjects for a bit longer and delving into them and seeing where the conversation takes us uh, until we're ready to move on to something else. And uh, the conversation last week continued, actually, from a conversation we had last year on pornography. Um, and uh, just as a quick sort of recap, um, we got into some of the – we got a little bit into the weeds about um, – female copulative vocalization <laughs> and um, this towards the end of the podcast, you know, we were talking about sort of, in, you know, I, there was some pushback around, you know, pornography serving as a, as a type of education uh, and the value of that and the, the pitfalls of that. Um, but one of the things that where we had some exchange towards the end was this idea of, uh, and this is the question that I actually wanted to open up with, and I know Seth and Stephen both have some things to say around this, and Seth had done some additional poking, which is essentially uh, both 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 of you um, reacted to the writer's uh, comment on female copulative vocalization, uh, wondering if it was a kind of misogyny or an overemphasis, and I. I was very cautious about that because one of the things that, and this is what I wanted to ask specifically around pornography, um, is how do you feel like our ideologies inform our discussions of pornography and how can we, how can we sort of learn to bracket our ideologies to actually see the issue at hand. And Seth, I think you actually have already offered a way into that by, you know, you were digging around in some of these issues and then you'd looked at the Sex at Dawn, I think was the book that you'd said you you, you poked at. Um, because I think one of the, the, the issues around education in particular is that when to know or, or at least when to be suspicious of how uh, society and culture and misogyny have shaped our views of sex and when to know when biology is mm. playing a role and, mm -hmm. and, and how to hold the scale in balance, not to say it's 50-50, but to hold the scale in balance to let the evidence sort of speak for itself and not uh, occlude uh, the situation with our with our kind of per perspective ideological lenses. Mm. I'll take a stab at that briefly because mm. the question itself I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. It presupposes that ideologies obscure or like minimize or may not or shroud what true meaning is. And true meaning for me, ideologies 
evidence is an ideology. Do you agree? I don't. Mm. Because the Earth is round and because we have XX and XY chromosomes, some of us. And, Hard science, gotcha. Uh, so, so, and some of us, right? I'm, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that as human beings, we do not have tremendous abilities to shape and reshape. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying those things are like concrete, mm-hmm. but I okay. am saying uh, they're like terra firma. And, and they, they can be shaped and you can do earthenware projects, but you are okay. still dealing with the earth. Um, okay. So there's a lot of mixed metaphors in there. I apologize for that. So. <laughs> but it's good though. Thank you for like, answering like question. Pop- it was like a potpourri of metaphors. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So let's let's try to get back to that that very um, um, mm-hmm. well. Not, the word isn't poignant, but I mean, well, maybe it is. Kind of poignant question, and that is super mm-hmm. meaningful. Um, how does my, how does ideology shape the way I think about? pornography i think or or maybe more specifically how i think about pet of pornography as a potentially educational tool i have to say that i don't know that i have such an ideological um clear ideological position that mm-hmm. makes it easy for me to answer that question because i do think that part of the way i approach the entire issue of pornography and and let's just like get down to brass tacks and and try to define some terms. By pornography, mm-hmm. I mean, and and please feel free to to, to shape, um, uh, articulate your own definition, but for, but for pornography, what I mean is watching, um, or rather um, recorded, I should say, recorded sex acts between consenting adults. That's what I mean. So, are there any media limitations for it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that pornography can be um, in writing. I think you can you can okay. have it um, on audio okay. alone. You can have video representations of it. Uh, I think it's just okay. it's it's the recorded act, right? So, there, it, so in a way, what pornography does, and I think, and I think you got, and I can see you both nodding uh, along. And I think what it presupposes is that there is an audience. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ideologically, I think I am. If anything, I'm. I'm. I'm influenced by. I think more than anything else, perhaps, is this notion of shame that I grew up with. The mm. idea that. Okay. I should be ashamed uh, in some ways of my body or what it can do with another person's body. And this is come this completely comes out of this whole, you know, you know Christian uh severely Christian upbringing. Um mm-hmm. uh where basically my parents never were able to sort of resolve for themselves how they related to sex. I think my mom just mm-hmm. never really enjoyed it in the way that my father clearly did because my father would make these sort of offhand jokes. And I know this because my father would make, every once in a while would make these sort of off-color jokes or these sly sly references. And he would sort of smile or laugh to himself. And and my mother would look kind of, in that kind of almost stereotypical way, prudish. Like she would, her response would be, oh, I'm I'm not sure that that's okay kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what I've, what I've, what I've struggled with, I think, most of my life is um, a sense of really giving myself permission to mm-hmm. 
enjoy, like like literally enjoy, not enjoy sex. I mean, I, I, I kind of always, I always had that, but to enjoy or allow my, give myself permission to enjoy um, that. Um, the the voyeurism, the voyeurism aspect. aspect. Mm. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. Okay. Like like give myself permission to say, oh yeah, I can. This is not bad. This is not. This is not horrible. And and I think um, that's the sort of place I come to this conversation from. Okay. Um, just and when it, so when I say it's, it's when we said last time when I said last time that I thought that pornography be, could be kind of an educational tool in a very sort of bare minimal way. What it did was, looking at pornography said, okay, so there are these other bodies in the world, and they do really enjoy having these kind, this kind of play with each other. And in some ways, the, voyeur, the voyeuristic aspect that um, is built into pornography, mm-hmm. it, it's okay for me to partake of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, no, Stephen, please. I just was going to jump in if you didn't have anything. Oh, no, no, I do. But um, can you follow up with him right quick? I'm just um, sort of forming a thought about something that Seth said. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, it's funny, you know, when we have conversations, or I guess when anyone has a conversation, you sometimes get hemmed into positions that you don't even necessarily fully right, agree with, right? right. Because you're okay. just articulating mm-hmm. things, sort of like when you write a sentence, and yeah. you're like, ah, oh, that's not exactly what I want. So, right. you know, and last week, you know, I... I was very skeptical of this idea of, of education around pornography. Mm-hmm. But that's clearly, I mean, the way I was talking about it is clearly far too limited, right? Because, of course, it can be, we can learn all kinds of things from pornography, right? It can, I yeah. mean, it, a, a tremendously educational tool. And in, in, a, in a meta-discursive way as well. Like, we can learn a lot about society by its pornography, by studying pornography, by engaging in pornography. You learn about things being inside of a thing, right? And mm-hmm. this is one of the hallmarks of anthropological research. Research now you can learn yeah, um, when it comes to ethnographies, right? You mm-hmm. learn things about a culture by being inside of a culture. So by being a participant, in, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's sorry, taboos sorry. and it's totems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, and so as you're articulating it, right? So clearly this was an educational experience for you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, clearly mm-hmm. uh, engaging in uh, sampling, consuming porn, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. however you want, whatever verb you want to use, mm-hmm. clearly provided you an educational outlet, right? Mm-hmm. That, that did a, a host of things for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, so Stephen, you look like you're about ready to, to jump in, yes? I always look like I'm ready to jump in. Um, yeah. So when it comes to... So I'm thinking, so I'm going to answer your question and then ask yourself a question about shame and excitement mm-hmm. and about taboo mm-hmm. and about, you know, arousal. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, so I want to talk, when I think of pornography, it has no um, media limits. It's a portrayal of sexual subject matter for the exclusive purpose of sexual arousal. And it, it's presented like throughout yeah. history. That's and good. this is, I'm just doing this off of Wikipedia, by the way. So it's not something that's <laughs> jumping out of my head. Full disclosure. Um so my, as far as my ideology goes, so I think I can answer with the question or some comments, commentary I was making earlier, um, mm-hmm. or write, excuse me, some notes I was taking to myself. And that is like just what you said, Travis, in terms of any, you can learn any, you can learn enormously a lot about pornography. There's so much to learn about just its, its function in society. It's, it's as far as a tool in terms of how we regulate sex, mm. um, how you learn sex. 
Um, production values, I'm sure you guys have seen porn where you're like, wow, these production values are pretty terrible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or just True. how people connect with the people who are having the sex. And, you know, how, you know, do they seem comfortable? Does it seem awkward? Is that person too skinny? You know, so it's, I'm never inside a pornography, in pornography, solely as a voyeur. I'm always looking at it in different ways. And I realized that much later when I started to think about it, how I was thinking about porn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ideologies I bring to it, I was thinking that when it comes to, can it be used as a educational tool is like, well, where would it be taught? Like in schools or just with, you know, in person, in families, you know, this is sex and this is what people do. And, and also this is the industry <laughs> in which mm. pornography is produced. Mm. I feel like you'd need some really sexually liberated people and not in the sort of swingers, keys in a bowl kind of way, yes. but folks who are really thinking larger about mm. our bodies mm-hmm. and who what we feel we have the right to do with them. Mm -hmm. So that shame piece for me is really interesting because the shame part of it for me was always almost like an, almost a trigger for excitement, Mm. you know, to go into, and to learn more about it and to think about it. And so it wouldn't rest easily on my shelf with the other things that I had, the books, they were like vibrating with energy, Mm -hmm. you know, because they were taboo. They were Mm -hmm. prohibitive. You know, and they didn't tell, but they told us so much about things that other, other places I couldn't find that information. Um, well, one of the things to sort of, to try and pull the education and, and the female copulative, mm-hmm. uh, vocalization together around what we're talking about is, um, you know, one of the functions I wonder then of pornography in a society. And we, pro- I, at some point I want to talk about sort of the invention of pornography, right? Because mm-hmm. it, they clearly, so calling something pornographic has a historical antecedent as well as the way that we would reach back into the past and find representations and then call that pornography like right. the validity or invalidity of doing that and and it might be valid to do i'm not i'm not making a judgment about it i'm saying that there's there's probably mm-hmm. something to talk about there but the uh, so one of the things that i had read around the the vocalization for females is you know there's various theories about why this might have been done as far as um it calls because it, it, it would seem to make the two the copulating um, monkeys more vulnerable, but it would also then call other monkeys to the scene because it would excite their interest. That might provide a level of protection from predators. So at a kind of like a base level for mm-hmm. you know our our. Uh, um, earliest common ancestors, why it might have been done. In, in On a human level, what's kind of interesting is about, um, so they're really not sure. So women do tend to vocalize more than men as far as it's been studied. Uh-huh. But what's what's interesting is that it's male excitation that that ha- that is a response to female vocalization and and that the female vocalization may actually be about male arousal so in this kind of social dynamic between the two meaning that the woman vocalizes because it gets the man off and that oh. this is part this is oh. another sort of level oh. that bodies are connecting so not necessarily the woman's like not an act not in a not in a like faking an orgasm kind of way uh-huh. but that this is another mode of communication that's taking place between the bodies at that level huh. and that it's not about the woman being so 
excited. It's about the woman being excited in relation to exciting the man's arousal. Wow. Um, so, so again, yeah. I mean, so this tells us something about why pornography might be very titillating to men that are not participating in the act, right? right. So that that, or in alone, that way. almost like yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah, oh, no, good. Thank you, thank you for the correction, right? Because they are mm-hmm. participating, right? They are, they are literally making the pornography possible, but they're not mm-hmm. particip- participating in the actual fucking, right? So yeah. um, anyway, so I just thought, uh, what do you guys think of, of that as a um, as a way to start to tease out like why? Um, why there's such potent, you know, one of the reasons, there's a variety of reasons uh, and also some darker ones around the way women get used up in the porn industry and mm-hmm. some, some really terrible stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, so and men. it's, yeah. And uh, men. For, yeah, for no sure. One's... And I know that yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. but anyway, so any, well, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to bring in that book that I'd mentioned or one of you had mentioned earlier that, <clears throat> I had been chatting to you about before the podcast started, which is the uh, Sex at Dawn book. Mm -hmm. And I want to just tie it together with what, um, with um, how I got, well, I want to make sure, want to make clear how I got there. So Mm -hmm. Stephen has sent around this um, series of articles. One of them is by Stephen Snyder, MD. Uh, The title of the article is Why, Why Does Pornography Exist? And he makes, he refers to an argument, um, and he's the one who who actually, uh, I think, hipped us to the term female copulatory vocalization. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he talks about this book written by Chris Ryan and Kalsita, I think her name is Haitha. Um, and the book is called, uh, rather titled, Sex at Dawn, The Prehistoric Origins of Modern Sexuality. And they make this argument. And from what I've gleaned from looking at the Wikipedia page, they have had some it's seemingly uh, valid criticism leveled at them for bias reporting of data, theoretical and evidentiary shortcomings, and problematic assumptions. The most problematic assumption being that um, they set up a straw man argument about there being a standard narrative of the development of, of human sexuality. The standard narrative for them, according to them, is the sort of um, evolutionary biological argument, which is that Men look for women who are young enough to actually um, essentially breed. And mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, what, what, what is it? Yeah, signs of youth, fertility, health, absence of previous sexual experience, and likelihood of future sexual fidelity, where she looks for signs of wealth or these prospects of future wealth. That is, yeah. Kind of mm. commensurate with social status, and then mm. physical health and likelihood that he will stick around to provide for the children. La la la. So mm. we kind of know that sort of like he- like normative heterosexual um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. account of how human sexuality developed um, vis-a-vis monogamy um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in regards to monogamy. Where their their argument though, Ryan and uh, Yeta's argument is that. We actually did things differently when we were hunter-gatherers. And uh, it's only mm-hmm. in the development of agriculture where we essentially put down roots, right? So I, around the time that we, we, we developed agriculture, mm-hmm. we became relatively sedentary. We mapped out a place, mm-hmm. said, this, this is fertile ground. We can grow crops here. We don't have to sort of go from um, territory to territory looking for food, right? Uh- Mm-hmm. Just a tiny little footnote. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that ordering of historical events mm. is contested. Okay. Uh, meaning that mm -hmm. we may have settled prior to the development of agriculture. But oh, just okay. As a okay, good to just know. Just as a footnote. Yeah, no, thank footnote. you. Thank you. That's yeah. helpful, Travis. Thank you. So their um, argument is that uh, um, what happened was we were more, far more egalitarian and selfless about sex. And that sex was used as a way, kind of the way we talked about um, bonobos using sex um, mm -hmm, as mm -hmm, a way to mm -hmm. develop community cohesion, as a way mm -hmm. to um, de-stress stressful situations, as a way to move past and through uh, uh, conflicts. Um, mm -hmm. And they said that um, it's also um, uh, a way of, and a more efficient way of distributing risk among a group of people. Mm -hmm. So uh, at that point, um, we were, we, we just didn't have this sort of construction of it, sex being this private matter, um, mm -hmm. kind of okay. sealed off from the rest of the community. And that's around the time that these habits around vocalization, female vocalization might've developed. And, um, and what's, so, and what's, what's been happening is, go ahead, Travis. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, uh, so I, I'm sure that last point is contested because I know that female copulative vocalization has been observed in other monkeys as well. Mm. It, it's, it's not purely a human uh, No, 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 no. And I, right, no, and, I, and I, if, I, if I made it sound like that was the case, uh, I apologize. No, I didn't, I didn't mean that at all. Um, oh, okay. In fact, I'm just, I mean, part of the issue is that I'm kind of stumbling through this thing that I don't know very well because I haven't read it. <laughs> you didn't pray see the whole book before the podcast? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> um, um, but I, I, I mean, here's what I like about the argument. I like that it gets us, it moves us off of the, I think, shaky terrain of evolutionary, the tent kind of evolutionary biological argument of uh, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like uh, hunter, gatherer, provider, strong man, wealthy status, mm -hmm. um, and you know the <laughs> the waif, the waif, the 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 woman who's oh, just come rescue me and 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 give me children, and I will stay with you forever. Like mm -hmm. clearly, the range of sexuality and um, and gender positions, frankly. And power positions that we have as human beings just doesn't doesn't fit well into that kind of uh, framework. So mm. I, I two things uh, come to mind. So one is uh, in that in that argument uh, as characterized in that book, there you're you would be essentially saying we should look at this biological evolutionary evidence to not rely on biological evolutionary evidence so by saying that by, by saying that bonobos do this then therefore we should move off of what you know this other evolutionary biological uh, evidence is, or argument is making i don't now, I, 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 I don't know if there's okay. a should there in their in, in their argument i don't think that they're they're making a should there i think they're just saying here's what happened in oh, our no, past oh no you you Oh no! You said that though to say okay. to, get, to get off the, the Tarzan. So, but the, so the, no, but you're uh, right. You're right. I did. So, yes. and, but and the thing is, I think, uh, I mean, I agree with where you get to with that. I mean, mm. I, I you just look at the panoply of human behavior right. and mm -hmm. see that we are mm. clearly not biologically determined, right? I mean, so I'm a hundred percent with that. I I just um, you know in that example, they don't 
you know, our earliest common ancestor, chimps do not behave like bonobos, right, though. Right, right. Right? I mean, they have harems and right, shit like that. Right. So mm-hmm. we, you know, I, yes. it's, it's, it's open what, you know, what branch did we take from our earliest common ancestor? So <laughs> right. th- we, we, we have both tendencies, as right. is evidence in human history, right? So mm-hmm. we we have these, you know, wonderful egalitarian examples uh, in the anthropological record. And we also have these terrible, awful, horrible examples in the anthropological record. So to me, like, so I find the biological evidence a useful variable to plug into mm-hmm. figuring out what humans are about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we subvert our biology all the time. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. circumcision is one of the oldest, yeah. you know, sort of uh, tribal yeah. affiliations that yeah. you, I mean, ways to signal a tribal affiliation. Like, we literally maim our dicks in order to say, like, I belong to this group. Like, oh. the, <laughs> and it's old. It's really, really old. Yeah. So, I mean, we do all kinds of things to ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's only useful as far as it goes. I wouldn't want to take it, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take it further than that. Yeah. So I want to follow up on that and say, just to sort of gather things around uh, um, where you, where you, the question that you let us off with, Travis, which is, you know, how does our ideology influence the ways that we think about um, pornography in terms mm-hmm. of its like educational mm-hmm. uh, uh, pro- um, possibilities? And mm-hmm. I think what we've come to is, um, is, Basically, laying out our own positions, right? So my position is, oh my God, like I come from this 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 place of shame, and I'm still working through that. And you come, and if, if if I can paraphrase Travis, I think you come from this place of, well, I I there's there's part of what makes you, um, part of what makes up your view of pornography is a kind of evolutionary evidence, a biological evidence. And also a cultural argument, which is that, which clearly sort of like um, supersedes all of that um, biological, um, anthropological evidence. Stephen, I don't know where you sit with all of this, <laughs> like because we we haven't we haven't heard from you yet about that. I feel like I, I walked in the room and said, "Oh, I just want to hear what they have to say." Because <laughs> I was like, "This is interesting," because yeah. I was thinking about why porn exists, mm. right? Um, and, and then I started reimagining, I mean, I started to imagine what if porn didn't exist? There was no need for porn. Mm-hmm. What would and that so look thinking about like? The bio- right. Mm. Well, so the biological, the cultural That's and all that question. started to kind of mm. come together. And I said, you know, this is a question I need to sit with. And so I was like, just waiting for you guys mm. to kind of like capture some things or maybe even like, you know, spark something in my brain. Mm. But I was curious about this. Like, why do we need pornography? Mm. Um, and what does it really kind of say? about our culture, either biologically or culturally or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, I just need to sit with that. That was one of the questions I had for both do of you, you. Do either one of you know of any uh, cultures, I mean, contemporary or historical, that don't uh, that don't have a type of pornography? I mean, this kind of maybe leads into the question I was talking about before about like sort of the invention of pornography or whatever. But mm-hmm. Stephen uh, or Seth or, or even subcultures within the United States that don't seem to... 
You know, I mean, clearly they're ones that don't sanction pornography, but that's we, all right. know, exactly. we all know that they're all doing it in the closet. And, that was my next <laughs> like, thing. I was like, going, they might literally, say it. literally doing it in the closet, you know. Uh, I, I'm inclined to believe that it, um, if, mm. if I know people mm. <laughs> and men and women, um, more men, I guess, in terms of sexual desire and mm. the and this uh, the word not subvert, but I think there's sort of suppressing those desires. Mm-hmm. creates a sort of kind of um, need for release. And so how do you do that? Do you have affairs? Um, what's the cheapest way to do this without cheating on your wife or your husband? Mm-hmm. Pornography, you know, um, which is in a way for some people feel like it's an emotional betrayal. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know. That's a good question. And I, what is that about? Like emotional betrayal, like you like you own the person's like emotional bandwidth like what the hell is that like why would you even take that position it is it's fucked up let me just say let me just say that way like (laughs) let's just bring out the 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 the, the, let me toss out a a a wonky Mm. uh uh, parenthetical aside to steven's observation that Mm. the uh the hegelian term sublate seems to fit perfectly Mm. and so sublate is this kind of portmanteau of talking about pushing something down and lifting something up the etymology of it Mm. right so this kind of Mm -hmm. plugs into hegelian dialectic so Mm -hmm. there is a you know the the pornography is that in in this in this type of suppression that happens there's this uh exaltation and this sort of taboo and 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 totem that that comes out of that Mm. um anyway whatever that's that's all Mm -hmm. i had so it's like, oh, it's like Hegel. So mm. I'm, sure he- I'm sure Hegel will be very upset at me right now for <laughs> bringing him into this conversation about pornography. But. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that, that that was problematic in the piece that that um, by Snyder that Stephen sent around was that at some point he concludes, and this is a, this is a sort of one of the undercurrents of our conversation. At some point, Snyder concludes that it's in our DNA. Right, like, so, like he t- like he makes that argument essentially that we are more related to bonobos than chimpanzees. That mm-hmm. that there's a there's a point at which we like got it on together, um, and jealousy and uh, ownership didn't have didn't bite take such a huge chunk out of our sort of collective sense of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And and Travis is shaking his head like, no, that's some bullshit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I think I think I think bullshit on either camp. Like right. I would call bullshit I now this is someone that I, this probably comes out of a practice suspicion. Like mm-hmm. when I was younger, I was very I was very interested in evolutionary psychological explanations for phenomena. But it, it it's bullshit. It's it's bullshit in that yes it's in there, right? It's mm-hmm. it's clearly in there. You mm-hmm. can see, mm-hmm. and maybe you can make some interesting observations about population, large-scale populations, mm-hmm. 100 million people, 10 million people. But on an individual level, mm-hmm. why individuals do the shit that they do? Mm-hmm. It is so, like, dizzyingly complicated yes. mm-hmm. that you can't boil it down to these, evolu- these evolutionary arguments. I just Agreed. don't buy it. I agree. And I always find that I these arguments that. are way mm-hmm. too smug and way too yeah, deter- yeah, 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 way yeah, too yeah, deterministic, yeah. essentially, right? Like, well, like oh, yeah, like, it's, it's, like you put this, you put 30% of this in, 40% of that in, and bingo, oh, Bob's your uncle. You got a human being. <laughs> right, but the arguments don't breathe. That's right. my problem. Yeah. They, have bra- they have hard brackets around them. And yeah. it's like, well, you know, they're, you're just one of, you're just the newest person to kind of arrive at this particular point. Mm. And it's a perspective, you know? Yeah. So I definitely yeah. agree with um, the Byzantine sensibilities about mm. how anyone gets to anything. 
you know, yeah. can't be boiled yeah. down to dot dot dot. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Stephen, why so, don't you take why don't you take us out? Oh, so, yes, yeah, that was just about to suggest yeah. that. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. so Stephen, please take us out and tell us what we should consider next week. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yes. Um, well, you had all the, of you that. Had the great question. You had the great question at the end. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God! So um, yeah, go, go well, back to your I, question. I think the question really is, um, mm. what is why do we need pornography? I really mm. think that would be a great thing for us to kind of okay. pull apart and mm. and chew on for next week because mm. it's so um, provocative. Mm. You know, we can take it personal, public. We can mm. take it in a variety of ways. Why do I need pornography? Right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm really unhappy at home. Right. Oh, that's a joke, are, by the way, for, right. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone that might be listening who's married to right, Travis. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, one yes. reason, one reason, uh, maybe I just like I wake up with a hard on every morning. Like I don't know, <laughs> right. Right, like, right. I don't know. My but, pants are really difficult to put on otherwise. Right. Right. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> so that's our question for next week. Yeah. And um, a- amen. Just thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Travis. Thank you, Seth. It's been a lovely conversation. Thank you. Thank amen. you. Talk to you soon. Bye.